You can't come to Easter ready to celebrate what the implications of Easter is if you haven't been through the, the pathway for 40 days and, and the walk of Holy Week and the darkness of Good Friday. You can't appreciate the light of Easter morning if you haven't been in the dark. Hey everyone, welcome to The Walk Podcast. This is a place where we can answer honest questions, talk about hard issues, and walk alongside one another as we explore how spirituality fits into real life. I'm Gil, I'm your host, and today we're welcoming back Ben Kacharis. Ben is the lead pastor here at Mountain. He's got a passion for equipping people to live life to the fullest and live on mission for Jesus. He's the kind of guy who loves and serves his family and this church with an infectious energy that is such a gift. Uh, and today's conversation is a unique one. You may or may not be familiar with the tradition of Lent with regard to the church calendar. Maybe you've heard of it, maybe not. No matter where you're at, I hope this can be an opportunity to learn a little bit, connect with God in a meaningful way, and maybe walk away with even more questions. I think you'll find this conversation with Ben to be helpful, practical when it comes to how we understand this season. Let's jump in. Welcome back on. Ben, how are you doing? It's good to have you back. Thank you, Gil. So today we are talking about the season of Lent and what comes with that, Ash Wednesday, all of those sorts of things. A lot of us, maybe that's a familiar thing to us. Some of us, it might be a new thing. You know, Ash Wednesday is a thing, part of it is like this idea of mortality or even contemplating your death and all that stuff. The football season is over. I'm wondering, Ben, how are you coping with mm -hmm. the mortality of the Vikings season mm -hmm. right now? We're just checking in on you here. Well, I appreciate that, kind of like a pastoral check-in mm -hmm. to see how I'm doing, coping. <laughs> you know, we never give up hope. We grieve, but not as those who have no hope <laughs> when we're Minnesota Vikings fans. So I'm doing okay. There's always next year. That's right. Next year. Next year. Well, good. Okay, well, let's, <laughs> let's just jump right in and talk a little bit about Lent. When it comes to traditions like this or the church calendar, the liturgical calendar that most people kind of talk about it that way, wondering what your experience has been with this kind of stuff, if it's new to you, if it's something that you've maybe practiced for a long time, what's kind of been your experience mm -hmm. with, with Lent and all of that? Yeah, I'm glad you're starting there because I'm imagining there's some people who aren't even sure they are happy yet that they clicked on this because the topic sure. doesn't sound that interesting <laughs> to them. Lent, like, you know, sub subtitle, why should I care? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and as, so your question is a fitting one because honestly, that was me. I, I grew up going to church, but our church didn't talk about Lent. We didn't talk about any of the things you mentioned in the Christian year, or the, the church calendar, liturgical calendar, so to speak, other than we had Christmas, you know, and Easter services. So I discovered it kind of late and it was introduced to me and it has become for me like a gift, like a really meaningful welcome. Oh, it's that time of year again. Like when I was a kid, I really looked forward to going to camp because I kind of knew I would see all my friends and do a bunch of stuff and swim in the lake, but also I just expected 
something good to happen spiritually in my life. And Lent's become that for me when mm. it visits. It's like it's time to you know go to camp, so to speak. I, I look forward to the things it leads me through. Mm. So like I say, I grew up in a church that was a part of technically what's called the free church tradition, which meant that we didn't observe. I had lots of other friends that were in Lutheran and Presbyterian and Methodist and Catholic churches. And I would hear things about Lent and, hey, what'd you give up? I gave up bubblegum this year or mm-hmm. whatever, but it was all foreign to mm-hmm. me. It was later in life that a man by the name of Robert Weber kind of brought this to life for me. And one of the things I just heard him talk about was like the whole Christian year and how Christians maybe ought to have a theology of time, mm-hmm. like to be able to think about how life is organized and what we tend to do by default, is just accept whatever kinds of dates and times culture tells us is important to think about, which, you know, Hallmark is going to run that calendar for us because they need to sell a lot of cards. Valentine's Day. Valentine's and Mother's Day, Father's Day, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, the Super Bowl. You know, what are these cultural moments, Fourth of July, that and it's, it's interesting, a lot of churches have actually adopted all that. You go to some churches, it's like, hey, it's 4th of July, we're going to do a 4th of July thing. It's Mother's Day, we're going to worship moms today. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but you know, his point was, it's like, uh, I'm not saying all that's bad, but what if we really thought about time from a Christian perspective? And so, you know, just kind of real quick, and you got to stop me, Gil, if you want to, because I can geek out on this no, stuff. No, let's do but, it. This is good stuff. There's some words in the in the Greek language that kind of describe how to think about time, and maybe you've heard about these, like the difference between chronos and kairos time. And chronos, we get the word chronology, it's like tick-tock time, like time on a clock, like what day is it? Like it's just the passage of time, but kairos is like a moment in time, like oh, that was a significant event. And so for the Old Testament, you've got the Jewish people that had these huge defining moments, kairos moments, like when they were absolutely hosed and God got them out of Egypt, Mm -hmm. opened the Red Sea, and they're like, I don't ever want to forget that moment. So they had other moments like that when God gave them the law, when God, you know, all these moments, kairos times. And then what they did is God developed for them a calendar so that they, in their chronos time, mm-hmm. as they're marking Nisan and all the, all the different months, they're being punctuated with feasts and festivals. For, why? So they are always remembering the moments that God showed up for mm-hmm. them and what their relationship with God really meant who God was to them. And and so the New Testament Christians kind of adopted some of that very, very early on to say for us, the defining thing in our world and our life is Jesus, Jesus Christ, who he is, what he's done, his, his birth, his life, his ministry, everything he did, his death, his resurrection, hmm. his ascension, his reign, his return. Those are the things that we think are important. So why should we just kind of bump through all of our chronos time in our lives without really instead, what if we said, what if we ordered our chronos time based on the kairos moments of the life of Christ? And if you look at the Gospels, the stories of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's what they do. They kind of 
chronologically tell us the story of Jesus. And if you kind of just say, well, what if we just ordered our year around that? And, and this is what Christians have done with what can be called the Christian year, is to say, what if we tried to make the events and the moments of what Jesus is and has done, the kind of anchoring piece to a rhythm in our year? Mm-hmm. And so the Christian year starts with Advent, that's getting ready for the coming of Jesus. Then it goes to Christmas, which is the birth of Christ. And then you've got, you know, this one we hear a little less about, which is the manifestation of Jesus as the light of the world, or what's called Epiphany, mm-hmm. typically in the January time frame. The one we're going to talk about today is the next season, a 40-day stretch from Ash Wednesday to the beginning, uh, to, to end of Holy Week, which is called Lent. And then Holy Week, which is like a celebration of all of those events that the Gospels record that took place in the last few days before Jesus went to the cross. And then Easter, and then, of course, sometime after that, Pentecost, Mm -hmm. when so many things happened. And and then, you know, some ordinary time in between there takes you right back to the beginning of the cycle again. Mm -hmm. And so... I love that because at once it was introduced to me, uh, it, it runs like a kind of operating system kind of in the back of my brain. Mm-hmm. It's not like every day I get up and I think, you know, what exactly is today? Mm-hmm. But like right now, you and I are recording this, and I'm thinking ahead to, to Lent. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about Ash Wednesday, and it's already kind of got my system prepared in the direction that, that the Lenten themes take a person. We're going to talk has about a, those. Yeah, it has ability to like pause time for you to reflect on whatever that event in Jesus' life is. That's what all holidays do to some degree, right? There's a moment to kind of pause and look backward and reflect, and that's what you're kind of saying. The Christian calendar does that for us to some degree to where we don't even have to think about it. It's just right in front of our eyes and we're reflecting on, on God's goodness. or 100%. And it's Jesus-centered. Yeah, totally. You know, it's like all time has a center. Mm -hmm. It is Jesus Christ. He's like a dividing line for everything. Even we use A.D. and B.C., you know, before the Christian era and Mm -hmm. Anno Domini and Year of Our Lord. So it's like, if that's true, what would that look like in my life? And so it's an invitation then. The Christian year as a whole is like, could the, the whole year kind of be like a spiritual pilgrimage where I walk in the footsteps of Jesus? I think what it means to have him come to earth as I prepare room in my own heart for him, as, as we celebrate then through his life and, and then we get close to his, his death, you know, it's like there's lots of themes that the church has said, man, these are really important to think mm-hmm. about. Like, so I'm reliving the life of Christ in my life, and it's just a better way than saying, you know, what does Wall Street want me to think about? What does, you know, the TV guide want me to think about or whatever? So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's a good kind of segue into today's topic, which is Lent, which is, as you mentioned, kind of a chunk of that Christian calendar. It kind of fits usually on the lead up to Easter. Say more about what is Lent yeah. and where did it come from? Yeah, Lent like Advent. There's, so there's two kind of big chunks in our Christian year that I would advise if someone's kind of new to this, I'd say those are the two things to start with, Advent and Lent, and they're a lead up to Christmas and Easter, respectively. And and right there to pause, like you were saying, Gil, it's the idea of preparation. Mm-hmm. It's preparation. Any big event is worth preparing for. 
and getting ready for. You know, it doesn't matter if you're having guests over or what. I know there's a, a story. It was some hotel chain where the executive would call ahead to one of his hotels and say, I'm going to be visiting next Thursday afternoon. I'll be there at one. I'll, I'll leave around four. You can imagine what that hotel chain did. You know, I mean, yeah. what that, that particular st- branch would be like everything was spick and span. Mm-hmm. They would clean their house, you know, clean, you know, the front desk was great, have their best employees at the front desk, you know, because it, the master was coming kind of thing. And, and Lent can have that function for us, mm-hmm. just like Advent can. It's like, it's a season of preparation where it's like, we're inviting Jesus in, in a special way. And it's a chance to do house cleaning, mm-hmm. spiritually speaking, a kind of kind of decluttering of our soul, a renewal of our hearts with these disciplines of repentance and confession and honest assessment, because our houses get cluttered, you know, the house of our souls, our distracted, mm-hmm. sinful, you know, cluttered lives, just how could we make them a place that's fit for God to dwell a little better? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that's why I welcome it, because I, I like those kinds of exercises. I always feel like in the same way I do, when I declutter a closet or my messy desk, it's like, I don't enjoy doing it particularly, but I'm kind of glad it's on the calendar. It's like, I got to do it because someone's coming over and I don't want them to think I'm a slob. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put some stuff away and straighten up my books. And Lent can do that for us, spiritually speaking, like it's here, it's on the calendar. If I submit to it, man, it invites me into a whole series of Mm -hmm. things. So Lent comes from it just Lent means it comes from the, I think an old English word length like lengthening of days mm-hmm. Lent lengthening it's the springtime when the days are getting longer and brighter so it always falls that time and it begins on Ash Wednesday and then it runs for forty days and not so excluding that that doesn't count Sundays it runs for forty days up and leads to to Easter. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a six-week period, you know, and it's a lengthy kind of opportunity. It's not just three days. It's not half a year. It's a really good... 40 days is kind of a historically significant amount of time. Sure. You know, you got Moses in the wilderness, right? That's a 40-day, I mean, a 40-year kind of thing there. You've got Jesus and his temptations in the wilderness. That was a 40-day fast for him. And, you know, through, through the, the years, it's become kind of a a good number, and I think that's maybe why folks latched on to it. So let's set six weeks aside to draw near to God, seek Him with greater intensity, mm-hmm. and be open in greater ways. What are some special disciplines we might want to choose for ourselves? No one's going to make me do this. No one's burdening me with some rule here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that at all. It's like, what are some things that you could choose to really say, Lord, in the spirit of Psalm uh, 51, search me, O God, mm. and know me. Like, have a look around. I'm going to open up a little more fully. I'm going to step back from my crazy schedule. I'm going to stop thinking about all this stuff that I'm worried about on the news and with my family and my job. I'm going to step back. I'm going to hit pause. I'm going to say, God, where am I with you? What needs to happen next? Immediately when I hear something like that, especially what's an older sort of tradition or a more religiously affiliated thing, I think a lot of us hear that and we think, oh, this is just 
a really old thing that's being imposed on me or it's mandatory or obligatory. Yeah. What, mm-hmm. what would you say to people like that? I mean, that's that's even within myself, I kind of feel a little bit about that. When I would say it certainly can be those things. I'm, I know people that would say that's exactly how they felt. They grew up in a tradition where everybody was like, all right, it's Lent. What are you giving up? And you had to cough up some answer that satisfied somebody else and your heart wasn't in it mm-hmm. and you were mad the whole time you didn't eat Snicker bars for six weeks. And you know, it can be exactly what you said, Gil, like anything else. It, we, can, we can make it meaningless and empty and frustrating and like a heavy overlay. But I would also say, I think we all need help. I went to Israel with your parents, and you don't have to go to Israel to walk in the footsteps of Jesus or to really see how beautiful it is that he rose again. But something about going there and going to that trouble and looking at that stuff and putting some time aside to do this pilgrimage really helped our spiritual walk. Lent's the same thing. You don't have to do it. No, okay, if you don't want to, don't. But show up, show, you ought to have some plan, some way, and it just so happens that here's one that's time-honored. It's centuries old. Christians all over the world do it. And so where it's a kind of unity and humbling of myself, I'm participating in something that's really a lot bigger than myself. Mm. There's, you don't have to reinvent the wheel here. There are thousands of resources available, prayers for Lent that have been written, that some are going to not fit you, some are going to feel like it was a glove designed for your hand, and so mm. why not? You know, that's kind of how I would say. So the moment it becomes a burden and a heavy, or do I have to? It's like, well, step away, do something different. Sure. But for me, maybe particularly because I didn't grow up in a church mm. that was forcing anything down, I, I felt like I found something. Hey, you guys, come over here, look at this. It's brand yeah. new to me, relatively speaking, for the last you know couple of decades. So I love it. And because of the closeness I feel and the experiences that it's allowed me to have with God, this sort of like, you know what, it is time for me to shed that sin. Mm. I've been living really comfortably with that for a while, but it's not fit. Jesus can't occupy my heart and that sin pattern at the same time. Yeah. Am I going to do anything about that or not? No one's making me do that. Is someone going to make me? Right. You know, I mean, come on. So. <laughs> I love how you said, sometimes we just need help. Like there's something about godly rhythms or structures that are not meant to impose something heavy on top of you, but it can actually offer you like freedom. It's, it creates a little more freedom to be it, follow Jesus in a more adventurous or mm-hmm. free way, which is a really cool way of thinking about it. So, Ironically, this really old thing for a lot of us can be new. A new thing, yeah. Yeah. Which is and, cool. and every year it comes around, it hits you in a different way. There, you're going through something completely different than I was last time. I had the same Lent questions, but I'm in a different place. Mm-hmm. And I've slipped into spiritual mediocrity in a different way this year than last. Mm -hmm. Different disciplines might be needed for me to get on track this year. So it's a gift to face beautifully into Jesus and say, how can I return to you with my whole heart right now? That's cool. Well, along with Lent, there is kind of a series of practices and rhythms and traditions and those sorts of things. Um, what are those? I've heard, you know, you mentioned mm-hmm. fasting or prayer or, you know, Ash Wednesday is this thing, I guess, that kicks it off. Maybe you want to start there. Yeah. Um, what are these things? Yeah, I think Ash Wednesday does set the tone because typically Lent is kind of a time and sometimes you get these big religious words, but it's filled with more like repentance or penitence, like 
a kind of real sober, reflective look at ourselves. And I think that's Ash Wednesday when you see people walking around with smudges on their head. It's like a spiritual checkup with a real kind of sober, honest variety. And so Ash Wednesday marks the beginning of that. And it's the imposition of ashes comes from, well, one, Genesis 3. It's a reminder of our—it's a humbling—it's a reminder of our mortality. The scriptures say, you know, you came from ashes, and to ashes you will return. You're just a hunk of dust. Don't forget that, Mr. Big Shot. Gil, particularly you need to be reminded that you are just ashes. I had a a seminary professor who you are familiar with named Will Williman, who was the dean of the chapel. So he would work with college students. And he said his favorite day of the year was Ash Wednesday because these young men who are all young and fit would come up to him and he got to put the ash on their forehead and say, you're dust. So he would say that was his favorite day of the year. I can relate to Williman there in that I'm a lot closer to returning to dust than you are, but uh, we are all dust. And I guess you got to be careful there because there's an old phrase that says we are but dust and ashes. And if you pause after the word dust, it it, it doesn't go well. Because <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Okay, never mind. We're not but. If dust. you didn't catch that, yeah. Okay, never rewind. Mind. Never rewind. 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 <laughs> she may edit that out. But so, so that's the idea. And also, you know, in the Old Testament, whenever a person was like, oh my goodness, I've just seen God and I realize afresh I am unworthy in his presence, very often their reaction is to tear their clothes and to sit in dust and ashes. And it's, it's a strange cultural thing for us today. We'd probably just more like, oh, holy cow, I want to hide my face from you, or I don't belong here, or whatever. But, but we've, we've borrowed and hung on to that idea, and that's where the ashes come from, is like a recognition that we're humble, we're returning to dust, and also in God's presence, there's a fitting sort of way to behave when you are doing a full reckoning of your sin that's exercising power in your life. So that's where you get into some of these practices then in Lent that are typically surrounding the the giving up of something, you know, uh, where is sin exercising some power in your life where Lent could be an invitation to say to Jesus, I love you more. I love you more than that thing that is occupying so much rent space in my head, that thought that consuming desire, that, you know, thought pattern or habit. I can, uh, what could I, you know, what could I do here to say to Jesus, I love you more? Mm-hmm. So historically, the answer has been, well, what if you let go of some things? What if we tried to acknowledge that some things have a grip on us mm-hmm. and we're going to try to wrestle ourselves free from that? Or what if we, you know, let go of some things? So there's abstinence. And there's disciplines of abstinence and there's disciplines of engagement sometimes we've heard about. Abstinence are where we're like getting rid of something, like we're clearing some clutter so you can fast from food. That's a real common thing. You're probably going to get into this in a minute, but do you want to go there now? What do Fasting? You wanna... Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. I don't know. Do you fast? I have tried it <laughs> and attempted it before. <laughs> I'm certainly not an expert. There are people who are, that's kind of a part of their rhythm, but... It's a, um, it's, a, it's a crazy thing. I'm really glad for the fact that our elders fast regularly here at Mountain because I'm not sure if they didn't how often I would, which I'm sure. kind of embarrassed to say. But it's also a reminder that even though these things are personal between you and God, I just think 
doing them with other people always, always seems to help. And that's another thing about Lent. It's like mm-hmm. everyone's doing this in the same All time once, period. Yeah. yeah, let's... I'm not the only one who's really thinking about this. So fasting, you know, sometimes food is our comfort, and it, it reminds us of our dependence on God when you fast. When you fast and you're hungry, that hunger pain comes to your brain, and it's like, what if we could train ourselves to think in those moments? I need, I need Jesus, the bread of life. You know, mm-hmm. that's the simple idea. It's like, you know, I'm hungry right now, and my stomach thinks it's the boss, but I'm going to say no to it for a couple more hours. Mm-hmm. And try to devote that same energy to the Lord. And, you know, it can be wonderful and it can be horrible. Sure. A lot of people who fast the first time or two, you know, they, it's not a very pleasant experience. Right. They're not like, hey, I got no spiritual high. All I got was a headache. You're just so hungry. <laughs> I'm just hungry and mad. So if, you, if you've tried that, don't feel bad. But do it with some others. Drink plenty of fluids. And there's lots of good resources. We can put some in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But the idea is it's like, it, you know, that... We, we eat all the time, and it's, it's, uh, it's not just a health kick that we're trying to say, hey, don't eat so much. We're trying to say, instead of turning to food to occupy or distract or mindlessly munch or comfort, what if we just got kind of back to some basics for a little bit and like just water for a while? We, by the way, biologically, it's actually really good for you. Get sure. all the toxins out and whatever, but just like, Use that opportunity to say, Jesus, I'm, I want to be hungry for you. Mm-hmm. And in fasting for something in particular with some others. So if you and I said, you know what? Yeah. I'm really, you know, Gil, Ellie's got this big event coming that she's really worried about or a family thing. I, I'll, I'll, I'll fast with you, Gil, mm-hmm. and just implore the Lord, you know, just say, Lord, will you just give all of your best attention to Ellie and this thing coming up? And I'll tell you what, mm-hmm. it, somehow it's, it's not magic, but I, I mean, I don't know how to describe it any other way. It's just to bon- say. It bonds you together the way that Christian community should mm-hmm. when you're fasting, mm-hmm. not just for yourself or some sort of spiritual thing for yourself, but on behalf of another person. There's something yes. about that that's like, that's the kind of community we're meant to be. Yeah. It intensifies the prayer. And also, I can't explain it, but it does feel like there are historically and in my own life, I can testify there are greater impact and results, it seems. Mm-hmm. Like, God seems to pay attention. Sure. And I don't know how to—I'm hesitant to say if you fast, it, yeah. you know, uh-huh. it's kind of like tithing. It's like, just do it. Trust me, you'll yeah, be glad. Right. <laughs> I don't know why, but it always—good things He'll come work when it up we do. Something. And it kind of found that way about fasting. Jesus certainly expected that we would. He, did, he said, when you fast, mm-hmm. you know, he kind of expected his followers, to, you know, to, to fast. And and the one time— some of the other religious people in the day were like, hey, why don't your followers fast, you know, and, and Jesus is like, well, I'm right here with them. Why would they need to fast now? I'm, I'm hanging right. out with them. I'm going to be gone later. You got the real thing. And yeah, uh, they're going to feast on me. They're going to feast on me while I'm here. They're going to they're gonna fast for me when I'm gone. And that's mm-hmm. where we are. You know, he's not exactly immediately with us. So I think mm-hmm. it is our time to fast. So, so there's that. But, we, but you can fast from more than just food. You know, you can start with a 24-hour fast or something like eat a meal at, at dinner and then don't eat the next day until you eat dinner the next night. Everyone can do that. You got half of it knocked out while you're sleeping. But just, and then try to set aside some extra time for prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, like how would I meet God, you know, during that day. But, you know, sometimes just fasting from caffeine or alcohol, things that are kind of our go-to that keep us stimulated, Mm -hmm. or fasting from media or technology, 
That's a the big idea one. Of, yeah, maybe someone's listening to this and they're like, where do I begin? It doesn't have to be a 24-hour right. no food. It might look like for you starting small with, I'm going to go a day yeah. without my phone or yes. something like that once a week or something yeah. that maybe has a hold of you that you're aware of. Maybe giving that up is a first step. Is 100%. I know a guy that's like, I don't think I got a drinking problem, but I am coming home. I'm drink. It used to be one beer. I drink like three beers every night. And it's kind of keeping me from being the best husband. It's kind of keeping me from a lot of things, but it re- it's just my rhythm right now. Mm-hmm. I challenged him, you know, what if we just didn't do that for 40 days? Mm-hmm. And he's like, wow. You know, so I mean, it might, that might be the thing for him. Mm-hmm. So it's like anything that's holding you back from being your best. Could you give it up? Because you say, Jesus, I want you more right now. Mm-hmm. I want more of you to be able to, I'm going to clear away some space. So media technology, I know I'm embarrassed when I look at my phone tells me how much time I spent on screen time. It's like, well, that would be a solid one. Or other ones for me that have got, and this is kind of ironic that I'm telling you this on a podcast that people will listen to, but but one's called kind of hiddenness or Mm -hmm. secrecy. Because for me, I'm a very kind of a public figure sometimes. I'm on the stage on the weekend I speak. And while I want to believe that that's all just for God, you know, it's nice to have someone say, hey, great job, Ben. So the hiddenness of it is, Ben, you need to be doing something for others and with God that's not on camera, that's mm. not on display, that's, that's just between you and God and no one else knows. And I get giddy and excited and yeah. purified and feel closer to Jesus for me, because that one's important. I don't know what it would be for someone else, mm-hmm. but I know the media is a big one. I know spending is another one that some people sure. will say. For these 40 days, I'm not spending a dime on any, I don't need any more clothes. I don't need, I'm going to bare minimum groceries, no new purchases, 40 days, just to show I can be simple. Mm-hmm. And that's, there's a discipline to that. Mm-hmm. So, you know. A lot, of, a lot of that kind of stuff, it can just clear the deck and clutter from our souls so we can be more finely attuned to what's really going on in our lives, mm-hmm. listen to the still small voice. So those are some abstinence ways. Yeah, great. And so you mentioned abstinence, but then there's also sort of a more positive end of that. Say more yeah. about that. You know, historically, Christians have said this is a time, the old word would have been almsgiving, meaning we got to stop thinking about ourselves and who's less fortunate that might need that I need to stop and say, wait a minute, how's it going for them? Mm-hmm. How could I help them? So who do you know? Like even at a personal level, who do you know that you could surprise with a secret, you know, gift card or somebody who's legitimately under-resourced and really struggling to make their rent or whatever? Could you help them? Or other ways, like our church has at Mountain, giving through our benevolence ministry to the poor. How will I give in this time? Not just giving up, but how will I give is a good thing. I think forgiveness is another act of giving and engaging where it's like, who do I need to forgive? That's a spiritual discipline. And from whom do I need to seek forgiveness? Because I don't have the power to forgive myself. Only they and God do. So is there someone I need to talk to? So these are the kinds of things I think engagement. I think the sky is the limit and the door is open. You know, kind of back to what we were talking about. It's like, well, I don't know. You tell me what what you know. What do you need to do? Make your own Lenten plan. Yeah, and, there's room for get, creativity in there. Yeah, for sure. get with yeah. a small group and say, all right, we're all going to come up with something and come back next week and say, here's one thing I want to do over the next forty days that'll help my walk with Jesus. Cool, do it. I'll ask you next week if you did it. Yeah, because we all love to talk about this stuff, but we don't do it. So yeah, that's great. 
So Mountain is not typically a, a, a church that belongs to a tradition that has the Lenten season like baked into our calendar, although we, we do have ways of observing it, of course. Most folks associate it with being maybe Catholic or a more traditional type thing. What is the value of a season like this for our church community here at Mountain? Well, one thing you mentioned, Gil, is we have found it like we're free to steal, pilfer, borrow from any era, any tradition we want. Mm -hmm. We're not Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, whatever. We're a free church. We can do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. We're led by the Holy Spirit. So if there's something of great value, we're going to like feel free to say like, hey, can we adopt some of that? So that's one of the values for Mountain is just to say lots of people over a long period of time have found a lot of value mm. in this. So to whatever degree that works for you, we bring it into the mix. We don't say everyone at Mountain's going to do this, and if you don't, you're a bad Christian. We just say we're not apologetic about talking about it, and we're clear it's not biblical, but hey, if getting closer to Jesus is biblical, well, then this is biblical. So the other thing, Gil, is that there's lots of people who did grow up with it, sure. who just need a way to shoot some fresh juice into it, mm -hmm. who need a way to have it come to life. So it's not that thing they did when they were in grade school. And we've had a number of people that are like, you know what? I grew up in a church talking about Lent my whole life. I never thought about it till I heard you guys talk about it and invite me to go into it because I wanted to. And now it's become kind of a living thing for me mm -hmm. that's helpful in my walk with God. So great. So can't overlook the fact that a lot of people already do know about it. They just need some help kind of having it be a value. So that's why at Mountain we do observe Advent leading up to Christmas. So, you know, four or five Sundays we're talking about it. And this year we'll have an Ash Wednesday service. Mm -hmm. We, you know, where you can come to one of the campuses and throughout the day, just a simple observance of some scripture and some music and some quiet space to reflect. Put the sign of the cross on your forehead. Say, I'm marked by Jesus, and it's part of my identity. Before I'm a Viking fan and a father and all that stuff, I'm a, I'm a Jesus person. And mm -hmm. then walk out of there. And then throughout the Lenten season, we'll have some daily devotions that you can sign up for. Get mm -hmm. sent right to your phone right. as a little kind of reminder. Hey, here's a daily scripture and a thought for you to have to kind of keep our minds engaged on this journey. When we come up to the last week of Jesus' life, you know, we'll have a Good Friday service. Mm -hmm. Again, very similar, kind of come throughout the day and remember that moment when Jesus was on the cross and what that love meant for us. And all of it, all 40 days, kind of has just a little bit of gray over it. Like, it's not a celebration like, woohoo. Let's have a party. It's New Year's Day. Not really. It's more like, let's do some, let's, let's get the house ready because something big is, a super special guest is coming. Mm -hmm. It has a different anticipatory feel to yeah. it. Yeah. And the gray actually turns to a dark blanket on Good Friday. And it kind of like, man, it feels heavy to watch and go through the details of Jesus, you know, him seeing his friends run away from him in a moment of his need, feeling the pain of his mother, looking at him on the cross with blood and the thorns and all that. That is not pleasant. It's sorrowful. It's deep. And then he breathes his last where he's 
forgiving us with some of his last breaths, and he's put in the grave and the stone. If there could be any more permanent way Mm -hmm. to say, this is finished, Jesus says, and a stone goes in place, and then it's over. And you talk about gray turning to black. It's a very Mm -hmm. sorrowful thing. And all of it just lights a fire inside of us that just sort of wants to believe it's not the end of the story. Mm -hmm. You can't come to Easter ready to celebrate what the implications of Easter is if you haven't been through the the pathway Mm -hmm. for 40 days and, and the walk of Holy Week and the darkness of Good Friday. You can't appreciate the light of Easter morning if you haven't been in the dark. Mm-hmm. And that's why when we have our Good Friday services, they're not happy occasions. They're like, you know, sure. it's kind of like getting slapped around and a blindfold put on you and spun around in circle and thrown out the door. And it's like, you're, it's disorienting. Mm-hmm. And it makes you just like, oh man, I hope this isn't the last of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe, just maybe I'll come back on Easter and see if God can do it again. Because mm-hmm. we all need that every year. I need, can he fix this situation? Is he, is the resurrection power that raised Jesus still alive? for this that I'm going through right now or in my world, in, my, in, our, in our society. So I, every year we need that, and I think that's kind of the idea of, of that pathway. At Mountain, we want to try to create a, just enough borrowing of the beauty of the Christian years so that we get the impact of Jesus' life in our life, our mm-hmm. time, our chronos, marked by the kairos moments, the cross, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you're saying is it just it enriches the whole Easter experience if you've been walking through it for 40 days alongside Jesus on his way to the cross, all of those things. It has a way of kind of uniting you with Jesus's own story that brings it to life in a way that otherwise you wouldn't have. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. Let's do this. If I'm just a random person in America in 2024, like which what, you are, <laughs> which I am. <laughs> Say I'm not a church person, though. Maybe this gotcha. is a thing I haven't heard of or have heard of vaguely. What's the value of a practice like this for just any old person in 2024? What does it give? What unique gifts does something like this give? Maybe it gives us a handle. If you hear all this God talk like Christianity and everyone's got an answer for what do you got to do to really grow as a Christian, or if you're exploring Christianity and you're not sure yet, it's a handle. It's a place to get a hold of this thing and say, let me try a little bit of it. So you could try a little bit of it. Like you could read the scriptures about who Jesus is and what he did. And then think about that. And then think about your own life. Like, do you need that kind of Jesus and that kind of love, that kind of spiritual cleansing and freedom and purity and light in your own life? I mean, it's just a simple kind of handle for some people. Like you, you, if you're an average person who's not particularly disposed to Christianity at all, mm-hmm. it might seem a little, you know, I think, um, strange out there or whatever, but it, it actually is, is actually the opposite. It's a handle. It's a concrete way to say, try some of these practices um, that are time-honored for thousands of years, you know, well, hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah. Just try it and see. How would you recommend someone just real practical I've never done Lent before. Where should I start just Mm -hmm. practically? I would say go to the show notes in this podcast and look through the resources that are listed there because we're going to put a bunch of stuff there. We're going to put some scriptures that you could just read throughout the 40 days of Lent, which in 2024 begins 
February 14. So then I would look at your calendar and I would say, how in my calendar every day for 40 days could I find a little time just to get a little bit of Bible intake every day for 40 days? That's a pretty big commitment, but it could be five minutes. But what if I read just that the gospel passages that we list in the show notes, one little bit a day, the story of Jesus? That would be one thing right there, really mm-hmm. concrete. If that was only one thing, that's probably what I'd say. And then I would think about, like, I was trying to remember those Ds. I told you about those Ds I had. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember what they were. I think there were three Ds. Let me see if I can find those. I, w- I would say think about these three questions. I have, like, three Ds. One, like, as you think about your life with God, where, where do you feel distant from God? Mm-hmm. Like, do you, how close do you feel? And most of us feel like, well, I'm, I don't know. We, we have to kind of quantify that somehow and figure out what's distracting you and where are you being dishonest from God. And if you can talk about those things, like, I feel at a distance from God in my relationship with my girlfriend. I feel at a distance from God whenever we talk about money. I feel at a distance from God because I'm going through something really hard and he doesn't feel like he's helping me. Okay, great. What are those places? What, what is distracting me from, from God, like I'm too busy or I'm whatever it might be that answers that question. And then where have you been dishonest with God? Like I'm not happy with maybe my distance and how distracted I am, but can you say something really honest to God? And so to answer your question, that's the second thing I would do is I would try to say something really honest to God. like. God, help me. God, I need you. God, I'm sorry. God, I love you. God, help my family. God, help me walk with you. God, help me let go of this other thing. And if you've walked with Jesus a little bit more, I would say you're ready for a next series of questions like, Jesus, how can I love you more than, and start naming the things that you know in those moments of honesty have become the things we're latching on to for security, and, and, and they're becoming our, our comfort, and our substitute gods, because those are the things we're going to orchestrate a releasing of our grip from. So over Lent, in a practical way, it's where I would start, a little bit of scripture, what, what do you need to be honest with God about, and then find one other practice, whether it's like I don't know, I never go to church, so I'm going to be at church every Sunday. Okay, that's what it is, great. Find a great church and do that. But if you're kind of already in the church thing, and I hope you are, you know, there, there could be some other meaningful thing that you could introduce to your life, and we can do anything for a short period of time, that you could maybe just abstain from, let go of for a while, and do so for the purpose of you getting closer to God through doing it. So not ju- don't just stop eating because you just need to lose five pounds. Or, yeah. Yeah or, yeah, yeah, or, you know, whatever. But do it with a God intention attached and, and then tell someone about it so you're not doing all of it yourself. I, I, I'm a big believer in that, and I think that if you're not connected to some other community, it could really, really help this. So that's I think if you're saying really practical and a start, I would do those things. Of course, that's why we've got this daily devotional thing designed is yeah. to answer your questions. Like, if I've never done anything, maybe mm-hmm. that's 
the best answer right there is, you know, just sign up for that and daily get it. And and then look at your calendar. When you are going to spend some time with that? Instead of like being annoyed that that text came and is inviting you to spend a moment with God, like, could you do it in the morning? Could you do it at lunch or before you go to bed or at dinner over your meal, whatever it might be. So the show notes will have some other resources as well, because I think we're all different and sometimes different shoes fit different feet. So there'll be some other things that people could look at to read, some other simple tools, a few prayers. That's the beauty of this. I mean, there's been accumulation of ideas and resources. I'm reading a book right now, a simple little devotional book on Lent, and just a little reading every day of scripture, a prayer. It's like, great, love it. So mm-hmm. there's tons of stuff like that out there. Mm-hmm. Someone who's hungry and looking, you'll find lots of stuff. We'll Plenty give of you stuff a li- to guide you. We'll give you a little head start in yeah. the show notes. Yep. Plenty of stuff to process there and think about what that might be kind of for all of us as we move into this season. Ben, thanks for kind of guiding us through this stuff. I'm excited kind of sharing your excitement about this season and what it actually can be for me and for you and for our whole community. Uh, I'm wondering, Ben, if you'll kind of lead us into this season that's coming up as a community for us or whoever might be listening. Would you mind just praying for us as we do that? Absolutely. There are there are two big scriptures that are often looked at as kind of huge ones and pivotal ones through the whole Lenten journey. And I want to mention a couple of those, and then we'll do that prayer. How about that? Yep. The first one is Psalm 51. It's the Psalm of David. He's done this horrible thing in his life. He, commit, he was a king, and everybody said he's such a godly guy, but he totally messed up sleeps with this other guy's wife, and then has his, her husband killed to cover it all up. And he's just living a lie, and he's just like hoping it, he's in skate by, and he's confronted with it, and he comes clean. And in the aftermath of that moment when his life is upside down and just he's feeling like a heel, he turns to the Lord, and he says, man, can you make my heart clean again? Create in me a clean heart. Can you... Can you restore to me joy because I feel gutted right now? I feel ashamed. And he goes on to just talk about some of that. I would say to to every one of us, we ought to go to Psalm 51. And you could read that, parts of it or all of it, every day for 40 days, and you get something different every day. Mm -hmm. So I want to commend that and the spirit of that psalm, maybe to close here, where we say one part he says, you know, search me and know me. See if there's any wicked way. I don't want to hide it anymore. I want you to see it. Mm. Come in, Lord Jesus. That's powerful. And it's like locking eyes, like right now, you and I are locking eyes, and locking eyes with the Lord is a powerful thing. Mm. So Psalm 51 helps us do that. The second classic passage is Joel. It's another Old Testament book, chapter 2. And God's people have been really acting up and just basically ignoring the Lord. And he's kind of finally like, like a parent sometimes has to say, okay, that's enough. And it's kind of what God is doing in this passage. And he threatens judgment on these people. And once he has their attention, he then says, like in verse 12, he says, but it's not too late. You can still return to me with all your heart return to me with all your heart. And whether you've ever walked with God or not, that's a beautiful invitation because it's kind of like, come home. Come home. You know you belong here with me. 
and 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 uh, he goes on to say in other parts of that, don't just rip your clothes and act all sorrow. I, what 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 needs to happen is you, your heart needs to get broken. Don't just put on a show. Let your heart be broken. And I am merciful, kind, and caring. I don't easily lose my temper. I don't like to punish. I'm the Lord your God. Show your sorrow and make sure that everyone's fit to worship me. And then it keeps coming back to that phrase, renew, mm. uh, you know, return to me, return to me. So as we return to the Lord, there, there, is, um, there is a prayer that goes way back to the 16th century, actually, which millions of people have used around here, and maybe we could close with that as we think about Psalm 51, created me a clean heart, Joel 2, what would it mean for me to return to the Lord with greater urgency and eagerness, sensing his welcome and his mercy and his grace? O God of peace, who has taught us that in returning and rest, we will be saved. In quietness and in trust will be our strength. To you, God, by the power of your Spirit, lift us, we pray, to your presence, where we may be still and know that you are God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ben. I hope you have a great Lenten season. Well, we're grateful to Ben for coming on and teaching us a bit about Lent and what it might mean for each of us this year. It got me thinking a whole lot about what God has to say to me during this season, and I hope it did that for you, too. As we enter this season of Lent, we will link some resources mentioned today in the show notes as opportunities for you to go deeper in this stuff. Uh, One way we're going to participate as a community is through the Daily Lent Reflections experience. This is an opportunity to make space daily for prayer, scripture, and reflection during this season. Check out the link in the bio to learn more and sign up for that daily experience. If you found this conversation to be helpful, please share it with a friend. This podcast is a resource of Mountain Christian Church, and we're here for you as you continue exploring your faith. Thanks for being here, and until next time, take care and know that we are walking alongside you.